The Ringer Wrestling Show is getting you closer to all things pro wrestling. The Masked Man Show with David and Kaz drops every Thursday on the feed, along with a new show hosted by pro wrestling superfan Evan Mack called Mac Mania. Plus, hear instant reactions to all the biggest WWE pay-per-view events with our post-pay-per-view shows. Check out The Ringer Wrestling Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's happening, Real Ones? Logan Murdoch of The Real Ones. And I just want to give you a quick message that The Real One of the Week will not be going to Raja Bell's mic. Um, A cut out on him, so the audio is a little fuzzy, but this is one of our best episodes, man. I loved it. We had Shea Serrano on The Real Ones podcast. Tap in. Real ones. Logan Murdoch here. Roger Bell. Roger, we have a special guest in the building. We have Texas's own. Yeah. We have a New York Times best-selling author. Yeah, baby. Say it all. Say it he all. He listens. <laughs> he he got them elbows <laughs> on his car right now. This ver- there's going to be a version of this podcast that's chopped and screwed. Shay Serrano was in the motherfucking building. Shay, how you doing, bro? What is up, gentlemen? I'm very excited to be here. More excited than maybe I even should be. Raja, Raja, I usually, when we have a guest that we usually have, that I usually let you get the first question, and I, or I get the first question. But actually, this is the first time maybe in pod history, of Real One's history, yes. that Shay yes. has a question for you. Oh, wait, he, he just used to come on the pod and fire the first question off. I mean, yes. yeah, when you're a New York oh. best talent, New York Times okay. best selling offer, you can kind of do some shit like fair. that. You can fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, right, so Shay, question. what you got to ask? What you got to ask, bro? What's Raja, up? it's a it's a two it's a two part question, mm. honestly, because I'm in San Antonio. I've been in San Antonio, born here, a Giant Spurs fan my whole life. The 2007 Sun series, one of the best series ever. So here we go. First question. The first part of this question is number one: Do you hate the Spurs? And number two, was there was there would there ever have been a time after two thousand and seven when you considered playing for the Spurs? Because within San Antonio, Raja Bell's name rings out as like he should have been a Spur at some point in his career. It's you. It's Mike Conley, Sean Livingston, Udonis Haslam. That's like Man. the top four right there. You know what I'm Man. saying? Like. 
That's what I wanted to ask. That's the only reason I'm no, here. No, I didn't ask. I didn't give him an <laughs> no, answer. No. I wanted to answer on the spot. Let me just say, this man knows how to come on a pod and ingratiate himself to a host. <laughs> I know. I know. He's I a know. pro. I know. Um, it's good questions. Um, yes, I do hate the Spurs, but not in okay, a great. not in a not in a hateful way. I hate like a, in a jealous way, right? Because of okay. the stability, the success. Um, in my mind, maybe what could have been had I had I been good enough to make that team when I when I was uh, when I was there for preseason and and my mm-hmm. buddy I Renewable and mm-hmm. and uh, and those guys were Derek Dial and and Shawnell Scott they all made it. Um, so I do kind of hate, but only out of in, in, in a jealous kind of capacity. And in terms of playing for the Spurs, um, after I got cut from them, Shay, I had a chance. I think I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. Like when I came into the league, I came in. So to, to I came in it, 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 like it, through a free agent, um, you know, tryout sort of way. Right. And so to get invited to the San Antonio Spurs training camp, what I had to do was go to this open tryout with like probably 60 CBA guys in it. And we all stayed at like local hotels and they would bring us in and, you know, we'd work out all day, like Saturday and we, you know, we, we go to war with each other and beat each other up. And then you come back and you do it Sunday and they'd send you on planes and you go home. You don't even know how you did. And then if you impress <laughs> somebody, they bring you back. And so they brought me back and they signed me, but that was what I had to do for every team. And so I always said that on my way out the door, I, I wanted it to be on my own terms. If I could control it, I didn't want to do right. that anymore. So the Spurs actually called me. I was home. It was after whatever had happened in Utah and my agent also represented Manu. He was good friends with, with some of the people in, in the Spurs. And they wanted to kick the tires. They said they could use a player like me. And I was flattered for sure. But I asked him, I said, Herb, hey, man, are you sure like this is going to be? They just want to know that you're in shape. They want to know that you could still play. They want you to come out and play some pickup with Manu and Tim and all those guys. I said, okay, bet. So I got on the plane, um, excited, got off the plane. And first red flag was like, no one was there to kind of like, say, Hey Raj, let's go. We're moving this way. So I was like, Oh, you know, you know, that treatment. You're like, wait a minute. I got I to get my bags. I get out to the curb. I'm looking Uh-oh. around like, Oh, um, and then I saw <laughs> Kalina as and somebody else. And I was like, mm, now this is, this seems to be more of a kind of camp type of deal. So I, I kind of peppered the guy with questions as he drove me to the days in, which was like the third major red flag. Oh. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I found out that it was like a free agent type of thing. So like I literally got to the lobby, hopped back in an Uber, called uh, RC Buford and thanked him personally, like over a voicemail and went home. And mm-hmm. that was the last time mm-hmm. I, but I, I was close. I wanted to be a spur, but just, I couldn't do it under those terms anymore. Yeah. Shay. All right. How do you sense. feel? How do you feel knowing? Cause I want to ask both of you guys a question because I know I've known, uh, no Roger Spurs story. We've talked about it on the pod. We've, we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. I want to ask Shay, how do you feel about that? Knowing that he probably, he could have been a spur under in a different life. And Raja, how do you feel knowing that, you know, you hate the Spurs, but more, I just think it's like you hate, you couldn't wear a Spurs jersey is all I'm hearing. How, how does that feel? Go Shay first. You go ahead first, Shay. Well, I, I think the 2013 Spurs would have fucking loved to have Raja on the team. Maybe Raja stops the Ray Allen three. That's going to be my, that's going to be my, there you go. He would have, he would have got the rebound. He would have got the rebound. He would have got the rebound. That's what I, that's, that's, that's my hot take. 
I right would have definitely kicked. I would have definitely kicked him in the cat before he could shoot that three. I promise you. That. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? It, it, it pride sometimes is is it's tough, right? Like it it gets in the way sometimes, and it's just. I mean, I'm keeping it a buck, right? Like we do that on the pod. Like I that was a prideful thing for me, right? Like I had come in under such tough, and I just didn't want to do it. My kids were just starting elementary school, kindergarten, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love San Antonio. My first, the first real camp that I ever felt a part of, I had vets like, you know, David Robinson, Ninja, um, the general, um, Terry Terry Porter, Steve Kerr, Danny Ferry, um, Jaron Jackson senior. Like you couldn't ask for like better professional people to be around and model, you know, practice habits after. And so you know, Pop, Bud, Mike Brown, uh, Egan, all of those guys. I mean, it was just a pro's heaven. Um, and I was always salty. And Pop and I always shared a little pregame. Like, almost every single time we played, I would go over yeah. and, and give him a hug. And he'd always say, man, we should have we kept you. And that was, like, the highest praise I could ever get. I always, I always wondered what it was. Because this was, like, just a thing that sort of got into your ear when you lived in San Antonio. It was my, I remember it was my dad who... Who said it? We were watching the uh, a Suns game, Spurs Suns game, and for just like out of nowhere, he was like, "That guy should have been on the Spurs." And I was like, "I don't know what the backstory is here, but all right, I'm with it." And then from then on, he was like on the list of like, "Cross your fingers, hope, hope it happens." It would have been it would have been a good fit, I feel like. But you know, what are you gonna I appreciate do? Appreciate that, man. So during obviously, you guys have had your battles, just you know, the Spurs and the Suns. Um, what was it like for you, Raja, going into those rivalries, knowing that you, you know, you have a, it's a rivalry, but it's also you have a big affinity and respect for this team. Um, uh, being a member of the Suns, how did it feel going um, into that rivalry? And Shay, how did it feel to be a fan on the under end of that rivalry? How did you view the Suns? And I'll go with Raja first. How did you feel going into that rivalry? Well, I mean, for us, it was a rivalry. I don't know that they considered it one. I don't. We never beat them. <laughs> like they, they always got to be. <laughs> they, they, you know. Um, but I had a lot of motivation in those series. You know, I just described the circumstances under my, you know, preseason there and what happened. And you know, I never had any hard feelings. But I'd be lying if I, I said I didn't want to beat them. And then there were some real personal connections. Manu and I shared an agent. You know, and we were cool and. You know, Timmy Duncan and I are from the same place and we're cool. And, and, you know, there's always, you know, Timmy's the, you get off the plane, Timmy Duncan's, you know, picture is on the wall. I would never be that, but <laughs> if you win a chip, you get a little bigger, you know? And so I always yeah. had reasons to want to beat them, but you knew you, there was very little margin for error when you played the Spurs. Like you had to be, you had to be as close to perfect as you could be. And that was just giving yourself a chance. Shay, what was it like when you, um, when you saw, the the all out brouhaha in the in the in the postseason um, the Spurs I think it was a twenty two thousand and seven where you know yeah. you guys were dead in the water on that one and I know and Raj just like all this goodwill in this podcast is about to go to shit because we're about to talk about <laughs> this but how did you feel during the, the brouhaha Raj, Raja was the first one in there if you go back and you watch the clip. He's the first one in in Robert Ory's nose, which is fucking. This is why. This is why people in. This is why people in San Antonio like Roger Bell so much. This is also why the 2007 Suns, for me, were the first Suns team that we were like like afraid of a little bit. When we played them in 05, we were like, this is not going to be that big of a deal. And we beat them four one. We went into their house and like you know we were doing all of the things 
that the, the Suns were lauded for. That was a run and gun Suns when that all got started and the Spurs went in there and did a version of the same thing. We're like, y'all want to run? We can run too. But when 2007 rolled around, they were meaner. They were like angrier. Because I think if, if you look at that game, and game four is when it happened, we, had the, we were up by like 10 or 11 points in the fourth quarter. And normally that would have been enough. It would have been like, well, this, we're going to go up 3-1. The series is going to be over. But they didn't like back down that time. And then, uh, they, you know, they, run a, they, they end up running us off the court for the last few minutes of the game. They go up by three. I think we, is when Nash gets the ball and there's 30 seconds left. And then Robert cheap shots him into the, into the stanchion or whatever that thing is called. And then everything goes, goes nuts. Now, I will say, everybody talks shit about that moment. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Number one, Steve Nash sold it. He sold it a bit when he hit the thing. He throws his arms back and like, fall, like he, he, he like he sold it. He sold Raza it. Raza is seething right here, now. Your Raza is seething right here, now. Go ahead, Shay. Here's the other part. Everybody's like, oh, they should not have beat the Suns that year. They had all their players for four, for four for three mm. of the four losses, including mm. Game Six. You had them all, and in Game Five, y'all were up by mm. twenty and oh. couldn't hold on in Phoenix. So I'm just saying. Roger, your your, your, your your son's propaganda <laughs> is looking funny in the light right now. Looking funny <laughs> in the light. I am I am always interested though to hear, and I've never really asked the Spurs fan how they felt because I just said I don't think the Spurs felt it as a rivalry, but I do wonder if Spurs fans had any kind of not not fear, but any kind of concern as to whether or not we were a bad matchup for the Spurs. Let me just say I, this, and the reason why that okay. hit so hard, sorry, Shay, the reason why him saying that Steve sold it hit so hard. Um, is because Steve and I were out one day, I think we were watching a fucking soccer match somewhere in Tribeca or something like that. Like, and we're, we were, you know, I don't know, three sheets to the wind, at least at that point. And he said something to the fact of him selling it. And he had never uh, said see, it to me see, before. See, he had never said it. <laughs> and I looked over at him like, you, you motherfucker. Yeah, God, because <laughs> I would not have run up on Robert Ori and that, that, me running over there is really like Steve's not going to do anything about that when Robert Roy checks him. He's just going to like, you're going to have your normal, hey, bro, what the hell you doing? And they're going to break it up. Me running over and getting the forearm in my chest is what really sets off the kind of the little mini scrum that happens, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm an asshole. Mm-hmm. But you, you should have told me that, bro. You should have. You know I'm one of your hitters, bro. You over here talking to Steve. You know I'm one of your hitters, bro. Like, you can't be doing that. You, it has to be under brace. Real talk. Steve, Real Steve talk. Nash. Steve, look. You're look. You're listening to this, Steve Nash. Yo, next time when y'all playing pickup half court at a LA Fitness in Florida, when when somebody checks you, Steve, make sure that it's real before Roger oh. catches a case. Or, nah. just, or just give a brother, just give a brother one of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I will, I will say the suspensions were pretty shitty. Even in San Antonio, we didn't like that it happened because it was like, you don't you if you're gonna fight the other team, like you want them to have all of their guns, like that's yeah. part of it. And also, I think in like the second quarter of that game or first quarter. Duncan came off the bench for a second when like a little thing happened and he didn't get suspended. And it was like, you know what I'm saying? I, like if, if I'm remembering that correctly, it was a long time ago, but I feel like that happened. We didn't like that the suspensions happened. We were, uh, we were afraid of the, of the Suns that year. Cause y'all were good. Y'all were, y'all were higher seed than us that year too. We had to go there to play out if I, if I remember correctly, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, who, you know who I always felt shade like they were, I mean, aside from Ginobili and Tony Park, like those, there were matchup issues 
for everyone, right? Like the same way Steve and, and, and Amari were. And Mike Finley, who was my vet with the Mavs. Oh, yes. Was so big and timely. Like he wasn't getting 20 in most of those games. But, but Logan, I mean, and I don't remember oh, these yeah. games, like every play of every game. But you do remember huge momentum shifting or momentum saving type of shots. And Mike just seemed to like be oh. right on time with the shots he made in that series. Spurs, Finley, Spurs, Finley so that year was yeah. like, I, I mean, the Lakers didn't get that far, but Spurs, Finley was just kicking ass. He was just, he was just, if it was two points, that was a, a monumental two points. If he only had three points My, in the game, I mean, he yeah, made it three yeah. with 30 seconds left. Go ahead, Shay. What, 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 give me your, give me your Michael Finley stories. My favorite Michael Finley story when he was on Spurs, because remember, he played for Dallas for so long, and they couldn't get him a title. And so he came came to us. He's like, let's go get this shit. So he was with us when we played the Suns in 06. I mean, excuse me, not the Suns, the, the Mavericks in 06. And that's when the Mavericks beat us in Game 7 in San Antonio. But there's a part during that series where Finley, he wanted to win so bad, you could tell. So he goes up, and he dunks it. Boom! And the ball goes through the net like it normally does, and it bounces off the ground, and it's coming up in the air, and he fucking headbutts the ball. And you're like, yes, yes, that's the that's what we need right now. He was he was such a monster. It's so great to watch him and uh, get that title. Man, man, what a player! I, I just want to say, Shay, as a you know, as a Laker fan growing up and watching the you know the Spurs Lakers Lakers rivalry. Um, oh God! I didn't. I know we'll get to that in a second, but I didn't appreciate okay. how. I didn't appreciate the home court advantage that San Antonio actually has. I was like, okay, you're playing songs from like three years before. There's like, it's just, <laughs> it's just a random like playlist. Takes I don't know what's up with this. To get to us. <laughs> but when I got to, when I went to San Antonio for the first time, it was 2019 for a regular Warriors um, Spurs uh, uh, a, game, a regular season game. And I remember just seeing just the utter defiance to the visiting team. You guys don't give a shit. There's hella tunnels in the, and, and, uh, and the bowels of, of what do you guys call it? Is it, is it, what's it? It was AT&T center. I think when, when I was there, but yeah, yeah, I, I just remember you guys just being like, yeah, this is San Antonio. Deal with it. Like, we don't give a fuck. We <laughs> you go through these 17 tunnels to get to the locker room. We don't care. There might be a bat flying through this shit. Eat your HEB and shut the fuck up. That's basically what it is. Can you tell people the, the, the uh, San Antonio Spurs home court advantage that we as the rest of the country just don't even know about and don't even appreciate? Because what it is is it's a bunch of fucking drunk Mexicans in there just ready. We're just ready. That's <laughs> yeah. all that it is. And we're the place ready. is hella we're... out the way. The fucking arena is hella out the way. It's just in the Rodeo middle of Rams. nowhere, bro. Yeah, dog. You got to get there. You're going to have to make a drive <laughs> to get there. There's nothing going to be around. Um, yes. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a very good basketball environment. We have this thing called the baseline bums, which have been around forever. And it's just straight up like... Like they want to fight. They just want to fist fight. That's all they want to do. They're for, that's first and then basketball. It's awesome. I remember that I had a back-to-back. -back. We had to do San Antonio to Minneapolis. And oh, it was nasty. It was nasty. Um, <laughs> that, that, shit City, when you said oh, that shit hurt. That shit hurt, Brody. But we, <laughs> we had that, <laughs> we had that back to back and I just remember being groggy and just tired. And then we, I had to go walk all the way to the Uber and that was a mission. 
And you got it was just a big ass party outside, dog. At the Uber, it was just at, at the Uber <laughs> entrance, and I just remember like, yeah, I San Antonio is just a great place that I never even thought to. And I spent the New Year's Eve in San Antonio too. It was great on mm-hmm. the Riverwalk. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how much you guys party down there. It's lit. Yeah, I love. I just want to say that I love San Antonio. We now that being said, we have a we have a whole week long festival called Fiesta where it's just like let's all go downtown and drink and do some stuff. When like, is that? When is that? Shay? When is that? Um, I have no idea. It just sort of shows up on TV and you're like, well, let's go. I think okay. I've been, I think I was in town for one of those, man, where like the, the whole city was like the whole downtown area is just on fire. It's like a party everywhere in the street. Yeah, they just, tight, shut, they just shut the whole thing down. And it's pure though. It ain't like, it's like, nah, these are the residents of this city out here congregating. Yeah, together. yeah, yeah. It's like the, it's, it's somewhere around the end of the end of March. Like yeah. it's shortly after spring break. I always love San Antonio. I mean, first of all, it's a great, it's a great place to play. It's, I mean, fans can be obnoxious and, and, and loud, but it's their job. And so I can appreciate the bats. it. No, yeah. But I always appreciated rowdy, raucous, you know, crowds that we played against. Right. Cause that's what you, you know, that's what you play for. You play for the energy and, yeah. and, and the love, but the city itself, like I always love to eat in San Antonio. Like, oh Yeah. You know, we it just had that. some, <laughs> there was some that. great grub, bro. I, I based most of my cities off of what I could eat and whether the food was good or whatnot. <laughs> it was a great place. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. We got to get to the we got to get to the shits because last week and this is going to talk about something that I've always wanted to talk about with Shay on air. Now, last week, the Lakers went into San Antonio <laughs> and had and 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 were Boom. down double Boom. digits. Boom. Came all the way back. We had a Russell Westbrook <laughs> game, baby. He shitted on one of your players. I forgot his name, but he went dunked all over him and did the rest thing. He did he did a lot of great things. It was one of the biggest wins of the Lakers season. Shay. How did you feel watching that game? And then we're going to get into the Lakers uh, Spurs rivalry. How did you feel I, watching that <laughs> game after all these years? Um, I I just think it's hilarious. That you're like one of the biggest wins of the season. It was. The, Spur- it was. the Spurs are supposed to win 28 games this year, <laughs> and, you're like, and you're like, yeah, we went in there. We did. <laughs> y'all, y'all have arguably the greatest player of all time on your team, and you're the sixth seed right now. So I'm well, like, I feel Shane, great. Real about, quick, I felt great. Real quick, real quick. You know what? Remember what? the um remember Kobe's, I think it was Kobe's second to last year, and they went into mm-hmm. San Antonio. It was a Nick Young game, and we went up in there and beat y'all ass. And we didn't have yeah, yeah. anybody. And so I'm just gonna say, <laughs> I don't give a fuck about those things. I don't care what the record is. It's the fucking Spurs, man. So how do you see this is the this is the Spurs Lakers robbery iteration of this, Roger? Yeah. This is what yeah. that is. What was that? So how does how do Spurs fans of San Antonio feel about the Lakers when they come to town? How does what is that robbery oh, like? Man, that early two thousands rivalry. 
from 99. I'm going to count 99 because we played y'all and we beat y'all. We swept y'all that year. See, Everybody see, ignores see, that see, one. Everybody see, ignores that see? one. I'm saying. But I'm saying. The, this is what we talk we, about, right? We, we swept y'all. And then Sports Illustrated has this great cover. It's Timmy going to work. And it's just a substance over style. And I was like, wow. yeah, here we go. That's, oh, what, that's, that. what, that's what it was. But you made but, us cry too in 20, 2003. But go ahead, you also made 2003, us cry. Two thousand three, yeah, yeah, in LA, yeah, so, that was a hard one. So that happens in ninety nine and two thousand. Timmy gets hurt, so we don't we don't get to play, y'all. We're just like, all right, we're done. I think we lost to Phoenix that year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, two thousand. So the, the so the Lakers get the championship in two thousand, and then after that, there was fucking nothing you could do with Kobe. Oh, and one, Shaq. we beat the breaks off of y'all. Oh, one, we they beat just the had that take. The two thousand and one Lakers, one of the three greatest basketball teams ever. Ever. Throw them out there against anybody. They were just too good. You couldn't, you couldn't do anything. Allen Iverson had to go super heroic level to get one game, to get one. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, I think we only got one, two against y'all that year. 2002, no, we swept you guys. I'm sorry. We, we swept you guys. I, I just want to In 2001, y'all did? You guys yes. swept All everybody right. but us. That oh, one yeah, game yeah. was the only one. Yeah. yeah. We had game two, by the way, though, but that, like. Let's, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not, we can't go. To, no, 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 no. Go ahead, Shay. What are we talking about? We're not talking about almost wins over here. We're yeah, talking about right. the, the Lakers and, and Spurs rivalry, sir. I think they go they they go sixteen sixteen and one that that year in the playoffs. Two thousand and two happens. The 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 Lakers again. We're just like fed up at this point. We keep losing. Two thousand and three. Finally, finally, we stare down the Lakers. We're like we're, we're going to win the, the championship. Beat. If we're going to win the championship, we have to beat these motherfuckers. <laughs> we, it, it, it was when Robert already misses a shot in like in oh, game five. Yeah. We, mm-hmm. we were we were we were we were winning by a bunt. We were winning by 100 points. We came and then back. here come the Lakers. Here come yep. the Lakers doing what they do. And then Robert Ory has a wide open, as open as he's ever been in his career, from the same spot that he hit the three to beat Detroit in the finals when he was on the Spurs. Wide open. Kobe takes it in the corner. His little pump fake Bowen is all over him, throws it to, to Rob. He lets it go, and it goes as far in as it can possibly go. And then it rattles out. And I remember they would do the, they do the championship DVDs at the end of the season when the team wins, and they're interviewing David Robinson about it. And, and David Robinson was like, he talked about that shot specifically. He's like, a thing happens when you win a championship where it lets you know it's your year. And when that shot popped out, we knew it was our year. And there you go. And it was like, oh, shoot. So how did you feel the next year with the Fisher shot, sir? I'm just saying just to take all these. Yeah. Just take all the way all this goodwill. It's the most the most heartbreaking sports moment of my life of my (laughs) life. Like nothing has ever hurt. Not the Ray Allen three, not losing to Dallas in 07, not um, we find the the Suns beat us in 2010. They just like ran us off the court. Like you started to feel your mortality. None of it compared to to Derek Fisher, fucking Derek Fisher with the stupid headband yep. over his ears. Stupid Why you put it over your over ears, ears, Derek Fisher? So oh stupid. god, so it makes me so mad. <laughs> I mean, because because this was like you finally beat them. They're showing back up, and you want to do to them what they had done to us, which was like beat us a couple years in a row. And you guys are the better and team. We were, you guys are the better team. We year. were we were the champions. We were supposed to win. We would have had a we we won in 05. Uh, we we won in 03. We should have won in 04. Like it was just every bad thing that could have happened in that moment happened. Yes. And here's what here, here's the thing that makes the the Lakers such a good like villainous team 
In part, number one, because Kobe Bryant was the most terrifying player we ever played ever. He just hit every shot against us. I wrote about this in the basketball book in 2017. Nobody ever made us more afraid than Kobe Bryant did. It's a whole section in there about it. But <laughs> Tim Duncan hits this goofy fadeaway jumper over Shaq to put us up by one. It was some one. bullshit. It was some bullshit. It was bullshit. <laughs> All caps. And we did not care. We didn't care. And then Derek Fisher does it. And so they the interview only time Shaq. At- Shaq has ever played defense that good ever. He has played the best uh, defense of his life on uh, that one. And Timmy got him. Uh. And then so they interview Shaq afterwards. And Shaq was just the king of post-game quotes. And he was just like, one lucky shot deserved another. And just to hear somebody say that it was lucky, and you're like, come on. Like, like they were so good at when you were down, putting their foot on your throat. You know, Derek Fisher shows up, I believe, in the next game, and he's wearing in shoot-around a shirt that just says 0.4 on it oh, with man. no other words or anything. And you're like, these fucking guys. I get why you hate them. I get, why you, I get why you hate the Lakers. Raja, I get why you hate the fucking Lakers now. I get it. I they were the bullies. It. They were big bullies, and they, they knew it, and they were so good at it. They were so good at it. <laughs> they are good at being bullies. Hey, Shay, I want to ask you a question about the current, like the current state of the Spurs, though. Um, right, they they right, seem to be right. in this kind of weird spot. Like, I wonder how much pop, you know, just not has left in the tank in terms of ability and, and he's an all time great. Like I know he could coach his ass off when he wants to, Mm -hmm. but you know, when you've gone through years, like you guys are just kind of reminiscing over and we were, and and now your roster is what it is. I guess my question would be how long you think pop has left and organizationally, like I feel like it almost needs a, there's, there's a reset button that needs to be hit. Like, how, how do Spurs fans feel about that? I think I think it's starting to feel like that a little bit, but it's this is like a this so far has been a really good season for us because this is the first time that we have all young guys there. I mean, you have D- Doug McDermott is there or whatever, but like there's no there's no Demar, there's no Lamarcus anymore. It's just like the young guys are out there. Dejounte, here's the ball, go be the guy. You know what I'm saying? And we're getting to watch that happen. I went to the Bucks game. Um, not the one in Milwaukee, Milwaukee, but the one in San Antonio. And so it was really, it was really fun to watch this young team look across the court at the champions, at Giannis, at Middleton, at, at, at Drew, and not back down. They lost the game because they didn't have enough firepower. They didn't lose the game because they were afraid. And that's what you want to see in the young players. That's what you want to see in DeJounte and Lonnie and Derek. Like if you, you have that in place, then it feels great. Because you're like, all right, cool. We're not playing for right now. We're playing for three years from now or whatever. Pop will be gone. He's going to have the system, the, the team in place, the system in place. And somebody slides in there. Becky slides in there. And it's the new it's the new Spurs. You know what I'm saying? It feels like that's what we're setting up right now. So it, okay. it's very, like, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch when they played Milwaukee again. And Milwaukee this time, and DeJounte goes nuts in the fourth quarter. He scores 16 points in the fourth quarter. And you're like, yes. When you start doing that, multiple times in the season, this is going to rule. Is, is, it, is it weird that you guys, like this is the first time you guys have just fully just rebuilt, right? You guys have always retooled yeah, around Duncan yeah. and things like that. Is it cool? Because for me as an outsider, I haven't watched this iteration of the Spurs much, but when I do see them, it's like a great quality that I love with young teams is they're not scared. And mm-hmm. I, I, I remember what, referencing the game from last week with the Lakers is Lonnie Walker's talking shit. DeJounte is talking shit. Everyone yeah, yeah, is saying yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't give a fuck. Yeah. Do you, does yeah. that give you solace? <laughs> How does that make you feel where it's like they're matching the energy that you probably have on your couch right now? 
Yeah, yeah, it does. It makes you it makes you feel better. It makes you feel okay with having lost a game. You know what I'm saying? Like if you get in a fight with somebody and you get beat up, like sometimes you just get beat up because the other guy's better at fighting. As long as you can walk away from that and you feel like I did, I didn't lose because I because I was afraid. Yes. I'm, I'm, you're, you're fine with it. You're fine with, with with losing that fight. That's interesting though because like it's, I mean that it is fun, right? When you have a team that that's just got a bunch of young cats and they're going out there and rocking. Um, are they those dudes? Like, so DeJounte Murray, I love DeJounte Murray. I think he's a really good player. But you know, like I know, like that, that's like, th- that's two years of that. And then you're like, well, you know, we gotta, we gotta start winning in the third year. You're like, we need yeah. that dude. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, this isn't really a question, but to see if, A, they can either lure that dude, B, if one of those dudes are that dude, or C, if they can do what they've always done and hit on something in a draft where, where, you know, you wind up yeah. with the type of personnel you're going to need to take that next step. Roger, from an NBA perspective, and I, I want to get Shay's opinion on this too uh, after this, but when you talk about teams in a San Antonio, in an Oklahoma City, and a Memphis, right, where I think Oklahoma City is also going through this, this phase where they don't have an identity beyond the super, super duper stars that they had in their building. I'm talking about Russell Westbrook. I'm talking about Kevin Durant. And all they know is winning for a long time. And then all of a sudden, now they have to rebuild. Can they be patient in that way in a small market? And my question is, how do you be patient in a small market like that when you don't have, when you don't have the guarantee that there's an allure for people to come there like that? I think smaller, smaller markets naturally like are going to be a little bit more patient, you know, like Lakers fans are never going to be patient. You know, Knicks fans have very little patience. I I think smaller markets, generally speaking, have a little bit more patience. San Antonio is interesting though, because of the success, you know, that they've had traditionally, like, you know, you're, you're accustomed to a product. Um, so maybe a little less patient than other small markets, but you know, I don't, I don't have the recipe for that. I don't have the answer to how you do it. Um, it's just a really difficult spot. And I think this is where you see owners and, and, you know, when they're in it, you know, trying to hash out what they're going to propose to players at the next CBA. And you have some of these smaller market owners, this is the position that they find themselves in that, that the smaller markets kind of bitch about, right. It's, it's where we're at right now as a Spurs or, or, a, or a OKC, like we've got this young talent. It's good young talent. It's fun now. But if we can't draft the superstar or he's not there, sometimes there are drafts that just, you know, don't have those guys. It's not that you missed. It's just, you know, where you fell in the draft, you didn't get a shot at him. Or maybe there wasn't a guy who turned out to be a championship delivery type of talent. But if we can't do that, it's not set up all the time to be a, an alluring destination for like LeBron or KD. And, you know, how long that takes to find that guy ultimately determines when you win a championship again. But I think, Ownership. This is what this is the conversation they have as it pertains to smaller market versus bigger market. When we find ourselves right here, how do we stay competitive in the conversation, or do we just kind of get left out as a cool young team for nine, ten? We're Sacramento. Yeah. Here's where we are. Like it's been what? Mm-hmm. How many years of that? Uh, yeah. At least fifteen years. Fifteen yeah. years to say minute. Like, right. Yeah. So that's Playoffs, you know that's. Yeah. I don't know how you stay patient, but I know that the owners in those markets, this is what they fight for. Shay, how are you staying patient? It was. It was. It was. Honestly, a little bit frustrating like two years ago because we still had, you have that, you look at the roster and you see the names on there and you're like, oh, like we should, we're, we're going to go get this, make a run of the championship or whatever. You sort of talk yourself into it. But really, once you, 
once you sit back and look at who's on the team, what the team is capable of doing, what you do is you set different uh, goals for yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, wh- like when we played, uh, when we played the Rockets in the playoffs, it had been the first time in like a quarter century we got to play the Rockets in the playoffs, and everybody knew we weren't going to win the title that year. But we were like, if we could just beat the Rockets in the second round of the playoffs, then the season was a success. And that's what we yeah. ended up doing. And it felt like it felt meaningful, like we had done something really big. You do the same thing here. This season, if we make the playoffs this season when we're not supposed to, then the season was a success. Anything above the baseline you set makes you feel good about it. You know, I think that's that's really all you have to do. You just set realistic goals and then chase those down and you feel great. Um, is it important? I mean, this is interesting because I'm down in dolphin land to continue. Like, so once you've readjusted, right. And you've recalibrated and you said, all right, boom, realistic expectations. You want to see steady growth too. Right. Like, so we're not going to like, right. So that's where the the dolphins fan is right now where they readjusted then they were ahead of track last year. Now they're like one in seven. And so a dolphin fan is losing his mind, you know, because we've (laughs) we've taken a step back, but once you readjust, (laughs) then you got to have some growth. Yeah. That's, that's a hundred percent true. It's got to be it's got to be moving forward. As long as you're moving forward, everybody is cool. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for five dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add on to your meal. Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Now, this is this is a, one of the biggest reasons why we've had you on is because we've been wanting to have you on for a long time. But it was a great time because we have... You are, you have just released. Oh, a you book. got the book. Oh, oh. hip hop and other things. It is, how, what, how many books is this for you on, on the other things of the other things um, series? Uh, this, this is the, this is the third one. We, we pitched it as a trilogy. So this is the final book of the and other things series. It's the fourth book overall, though. Okay. So this now, now, uh, Raja, this is forwarded by Bun B of UGK. You should get this book because Mm -hmm. it is a lot of stories Mm -hmm. centered around Mm -hmm. hip hop and things like that. Shay, what was it like to research for this book? What was it like to, what was the biggest thing you think you've learned going into this? And what was it like during doing the research for this? It was a, it was a great deal of fun because this is a thing that this is like when I was researching for the basketball book, this is just something that I've loved my whole life or since like you start loving things in your early teenage years. Um, I get to spend a year and a half of my life learning more about it, researching, listening to everything. Like it was a great, great time, a great, great time. Now, Raja is, um, you know, he's down in Florida, but 
from what I kind of know about him, he has, uh, you know, he laces his Tims on really tight, right? And he, you can see he has the ball <laughs> like Onyx. Um, is there a super duper hip hippity hippity hop story from the book or somewhere that you could tell Raja, like that's East Coast way, right? Like straight tunnel vibes, not no like West Coast shit. Like we're on low. No, we need some straight shit straight from the tunnel that you could that you could give Raja about about a very East Coast artist that he can rock with or he could just he could just really rock out with. Do you have an East Coast hip hop story for Raja Bell? I, I don't know if this counts as a story, but this is my like favorite little fact that I learned because I was very familiar with, you know, the public enemy has the logo of the guy in the sniper. It's like a silhouette of a guy in the sniper, the sniper mm-hmm. crosshairs. And I had seen, I mean, you've seen this logo for 30 years or whatever it is. And I never knew who it was. And so when I was working on the book, I said, like, I wonder who, who this guy is. That was like a, a thing that I put in my notes to try to find out later on. And I was working on this whole other thing about LL Cool J. And I was watching the video for I'm Bad. And there's a part in the video of I'm Bad where he's b- bouncing around in the warehouse and he's posturing and doing whatever. And he like takes, there's like a guy in the background just, just sort of standing there not doing much. And LL goes by him and he stands still. He puts his arms back like this. And then the guy takes the jacket off of him and LL just keeps on going. And so I hit up my my researcher, my fact checker, this guy named Dart Adams, who's a rap historian. And I said, Dart, who's the guy who takes off this guy's jacket here? Because I would like to know more about this person. And he's like, oh, that guy's name is E-Love. Like, it's, he's a hype man. And I said, oh, that's cool. Thanks for telling me. And then he goes, oh, by the way, that's the same guy that they use for the logo in the Public Enemy crosshairs. Like, that's his silhouette. He's just like all... And I was like, man, that's fucking cool. That's like a cool little fact to know. It couldn't, it would, it's, it would never come up naturally in a conversation where you could just like throw it out there. You'd have to be a fucking, that, that, like an asshole of a guy to be like, oh, by the way, did you know? You got to do that to get that information in there. But it's just a cool thing to, it was like a cool thing to, to, to learn about when I wanted to know about it, what wasn't actively like searching it out. You know what I'm saying? Raw, that seems like your bag. That seems like your yeah, bag. You, what's your yeah, hip hop yeah. bag? Where's your hip? What is your hip hop bag? No, I'm. I mean, I like all hip hop, though. But I, I am biased to the East Coast, man. I came up in the, you know, that was '90s. That was my my genre, like late '80s, early '90s is when I was in. Yeah. So I'm, you know, Nas, Wu Tang, uh, Biggie, all you know, all of that. But I'm, I get down with West Coast. I like, I like Texas rap too. I like it all. But that is my bag. You are correct. You are correct. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, before before we get out of here. Uh, Shay, you are, we know this, you are, um, you're my Mexican brethren. And um, <laughs> we, all, we all know, we all know your affinity for uh, Mexican basketball players and particularly one Juan Toscano Anderson, who is a friend of the show. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you, as long as you need, no more than two minutes, just tell, just look right into your camera right now. Just look right in and just send a message right now. Whatever you want to say to Juan Toscano Anderson. What do you got to say? Well, what, what do we have to say from a mes- the biggest Mexican basketball fan to the best Mexican basketball player of all time? I just feel really great about the state of Mexican basketball players in the world right now. We have, I mean, we got Juan who's out there doing it. You have uh, Devin down in Phoenix. Yes. Just showing up fucking Chicano style every time you got LeBron shouting out Taco Tuesday. We're going to count that as well. Like we have so, we, have, we got so, we have, we have so many right now. I really, I really like watching Juan play. Uh, he's one of those guys who like, he's just not afraid. 
And you'd love to see that. You love that this is the guy who's representing us just going out there, diving into the into the bleachers or over the scorer's table or whatever. Like, it's great. Shout out, Juan. You're the best. We're all rooting for you. Keep going. I love him. One of my favorite, favorite teammates all time. No bullshit. Um, another pride of Mexico, another son of Mexico. Great player, too, because I, I I mean, Eduardo. I love JTA. Eduardo. 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 Yeah. Correct. The Correct. original. The original. That's right. Baby. <laughs> Chihuahua's finest, baby. That's my yeah. guy. That's my guy, <laughs> man. A great dude. That's a great dude. Great dude. How many more years, we, you, Shay, do you, does the uh, country of Mexico have until there's a gold medal in the Olympics? Like, how, how much, how much, where, how much, how long do we have? Where do we oh, have? Oh, I don't, we, we're right like, there. Like, we're right there. Like, like four like eight, years? Like, like 80, 80, 84 max. Okay. 84 years max. <laughs> <laughs> we're right, right there, man. though. We got a G League team, though, now. You see, we got yes. the fucking uh, Capitans. Let's go, yes. baby. We <laughs> should yes, be making sir. more noise about this. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Flex Bombs for all that. All the Mexican basketball players, all the Mexican basketball right now. All right, Flex Bombs right now. <laughs> <laughs> also, are the Aces winning the championship next year? I have my Aces yes. shorts on right now. Are they, Asia's going to win another MVP, right? Is that, is that what's going to happen gonna, right now? She's going to go nuts. There's no way you could watch the end of that game when they played Phoenix. We had a lot of Phoenix talk today. They play Phoenix. Brittany, Brittany blocks the shot at the end, at the end, Asia collapses on the court. Just like she felt the weight of it. We watched her. Yeah. I think you and I, we texted about this after the, when she went nuts in game five to send them to the finals last year. And you're like, yeah. like, she's not, she's going after it now. Like she's, she knows she can win a championship. You can't watch what happened in that game and be like, oh, she, she's coming for everybody's head next year. Everybody who stands in front of Asia Wilson next year will die by her sword. I guarantee mm. it. I guarantee it. Start mm. engraving their names on the trophy right are you, now. Are you, are you, oh, oh, you're guaranteeing a title. Are you guaranteeing an MVP for Asia Wilson right now? I'm, I will guarantee a finals MVP for Asia Wilson next year because ah. that's what she's after. That's, she got the other one. It's fine. She got it already. She wants this one now. She wants, she wants the big trophy. Go get it. All right. Let's go, man. Let's fucking go. Asia Wilson aces we out here. I'm ready to fucking go. I've been teetering. I've been teetering from Sparks to Aces and also Dallas Wings. But I'm 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 I'm, I'm I think I'm in Vegas right now. I'm in Vegas. I'm how in good Vegas right how good was Chelsea? How good was Chelsea Gray? What an addition. Chelsea, Just, I rem I didn't tell you this, but I remember watching Chelsea Gray. I I've told this story to Chelsea. I've told this thing on multiple platforms. But I saw Chelsea Gray her senior year at um St. Mary's in Stockton. She it, I she there I was just there was this talk of this girl that's going to Duke. I'm like Tss. And they were playing against Berkeley High. And there's this talk about this girl going to Duke. I'm like, whatever, dog. Like, okay. She's going to Duke, whatever, right? Okay, so she we get there's a tip-off. She gets the tip off, takes one dribble in the half court, shoots it from half court, yes, switch. Yes. Then gets yes. a steal, goes, runs straight to the same spot, two feet inside of half court, <laughs> shoots it from the same spot, hits that motherfucker. And I'm like, oh shit, well, well, she's going to Duke. She's going to Duke. She's supposed to do <laughs> that. She's her, going to Duke. That's her whole existence. You saw what she put. She, she, they were running the play over and over again where they get her, and it's like Brittany ends up uh, guarding her, and she just put yes. Brittany into a blender. At the free yes. throw line, pop, pop, and then pulled up. And she, Chelsea, every time she does the thing that she knows was cool, she goes down the court like in a very, like backwards, 
like sort of strutting yes. a bit and you're like, yes. all right, all right. She's, she's a fucking she's greatest. She's flowing right now. She yeah, has yeah, yeah. no knees. She has not one bit of cartilage in either of her right? knees and she's fucking bawling, bro. She's amazing. <laughs> um, that, that was great. Uh, that was another edition of um, Real Ones. Make sure you check out uh, Shay's book, Hip Hop and Other Things. We will see you guys on Thursday. But first, make sure you listen to Real Ones Mondays and Thursdays. Make sure you listen to Mismatch. Make sure you listen to Group Chat. Make sure you listen to The Answer. Make sure you listen to Black Girl Songbook with who? Raja Bell. Town legend, Danielle Smith. Mm, make sure you check out R2C2 with who? Raja Bell. The Crestside Clown, another legend of the Bay Area, <laughs> legend CC Sabathia. We in the motherfucking house, man. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Holla. <laughs>